5: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Friday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Come in, stay a while. This program brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, the great sprinter van you could win in Fox Sports Radio's ultimate tailgate rig sweepstakes. To enter, get official rules, visit foxsportsradio.com or danpatrick.com by January 24th. Mercedes-Benz fans. We say good morning to our TV partner, Peacock. You can watch for free, download the app, and our great radio affiliates around the country numbering close to 400. Poll question before we get to the new head coach of the Texas Longhorns. Which QB are you most rooting for to win the Super Bowl of the eight
6: quarterbacks that are left Tom Brady's your early leader. Not sure why. I don't know if he needs it, but...
5: Wait, people are rooting for Tom Brady to I, win another Super Bowl? I think they want to see him do it without Bill. <laughs> oh, okay. This might be so, a more anti pats So they want to... They, that Tom wins, therefore Belichick loses again. Yes. Okay. That's yes, great. Paulie.
3: Yeah, Brady could use a break. It's been a long, dry spell.
5: Jeez. <laughs> Uh, this guy used to be a, a quarterback, Steve Sarkeesian, the uh, Texas head coach, the former offensive coordinator at Alabama. What kind of quarterback were you, Steve?
7: Well, that, that's a good question. I was the guy that uh, never, was, never was good enough physically, so I tried to play with my brain and anticipate throws. So I think I, I think I, I maximized my potential, that's for sure. But I found a way to get completions.
5: And you played in the CFL. Did you play in the NFL? No, I went straight to the CFL. Three years, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They still talk about you there, don't they? Uh, I'm sure they do. I'm uh, sure they do. Do you still, uh, still have uh, – where's your Alabama gear?
7: Uh, it's sporadic. My son took a lot of it home, I will say, from the, uh, from the national championship game. I mean, he was, he was loaded up. So I've got a couple things with me, and there's a couple things I definitely want to keep. I have a garage sale. Uh, Probably doesn't go over well. You know, you know how they do the (laughs) issued gear. They get your name in the back. You know, it's kind of like Sark and your locker number. Probably wouldn't go over well. Just selling, selling my gear.
5: You've coached uh, some great quarterbacks, Carson Palmer, Matt Liner, Jake Locker, Mark Sanchez, uh, Matt Ryan, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Mac Jones. What is the common thread or theme that you have that you're looking for in a quarterback?
7: I think competitive is the first has got to be the first uh, trait that a great quarterback has to have. But he has to have a, a competitive, innate spirit about him, whether that's on the field, whether that's off the field in preparation, whether that's uh, motivating his teammates. Now, I think if you're not an extreme competitive human to play quarterback, I think it's going to be hard for you inevitably to persevere, to lead, to do the things necessary to win.
5: What do you see in Mac Jones?
7: You know, I love his perseverance. I I love his competitive spirit. When you think about Mac and you guys, I'm sure, have documented his story, but to come in as a three-star quarterback in the same recruiting class as Tua, knowing that Jalen Hurst was just SEC player of the year as a true freshman, and to to not in this day and age, so many guys come in year one, I'm not the starter, I'm not the backup, they bolt, they leave, they transfer. Uh, He stuck it out, and he stuck it out through Jalen. He stuck it out through Tua. He stuck it out when Bryce Young came in as the hot shot number one player in the country and just continued to work, continued to get better. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that perseverance, that mental toughness he had um, not only helped him, but I think it kind of permeated to the rest of our offense that, you know, this is the style of team we're going to be on offense. It doesn't matter what challenges in front of us, you know, we're going to persevere.
5: What's it like to design a play knowing that Devontae Smith is going to be on the receiving end of that?
7: Well, it's like, is he one of the first two reads? Let's start there. If he's not one of the first two reads, it's probably not a very good play design, right? Uh, you know, so that that was always one of the one of the key issues. But I will say, you know, early in the year, if you remember, when we had Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and John Mechie, things were getting spread out more. When we lost Waddle. Uh pretty much everything we designed, it was how did it either incorporate Devontae Smith or how did it get the defense's attention to Devontae Smith so that other guys could get open? And uh, I think he embraced that role. He embraced the, you know, he was he was the go to guy, but he also embraced the uh, you can call it a decoy if you want to get some other people open. I think he, you know, he, he really went
5: for it. Help me understand that we saw the finished product with Devontae Smith, but at the beginning of the year, I think most people looked at Jalen Waddle as the number one wide receiver. Did 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 the coaching staff view it that way?
7: No, I, I don't think so at all. I think they were really one A, one B. You know, Devonte had a lot more just true experience at wide receiver force at Alabama. We, you know, we knew what we were getting with him um waddle was a little bit unique you know he was really the fourth wideout the year the, the previous two years with judy and Rugg still there we all knew the great return the great returner that he was and we knew what he could do with the ball and his hands on offense i think what people didn't know was how good of a route runner he was the versatility to play in the slot and or outside so we really went at it with both guys um, being the featured receivers um, I think he, Waddle maybe caught defenses a little by surprise with his versatility. But at the end of the day, there was we knew what Devontae Smith was, and he was a great player.
5: Steve Sarkeesian, the former offensive coordinator for Alabama, uh, former offensive coordinator at USC, head coach at uh, UW, and now uh, Texas head football coach. Tougher to recruit in-state or out-of-state at Texas?
7: Probably in state right now. Um, You know, you'd think we're the University of Texas and everybody just wants to flock and come to the University of Texas. You know, right now some of the top talent has left have left the state the last couple of years so I think the first order of business for us recruiting wise, we have to keep the best players in the state of Texas home and You know, this is their university. This is the great state of Texas's university. And we got to make sure these these players stay home. You know, once we can solidify that, then maybe you can you can look around outside. But we've got so many so much great in-state talent. Uh, Our focus is going to be there and we'll remain there. Uh, And if we do some things out of state, it's really regional or maybe a connection to a coach or a certain player on the roster.
5: How would you out recruit Nick Saban?
7: I don't know if you necessarily just out recruit him. I think we've got a great brand at the university of Texas. It's an iconic brand. Um, It's one with rich history and tradition. We've got tremendous resources, unbelievable support. Um, And the reality of it is we're going to build something. We're going to build something special here. I think regionally the kids we can recruit are a lot Closer to us, right in state. Um, we're at Alabama. I think they have to reach a little further. There's not as much going on in state for them. Clearly, the track record that Coach Saban has put together is is second to none. Um, but I think we're going to build something special here. And the and the plan is for me to be here for the next 15, 20 years. So hopefully, you're hopefully you're inter- interviewing somebody here fifteen years from now and asking them the same
5: question: How you going to out recruit Sark at Texas? You guys going to schedule Alabama? Uh we are scheduled to play him in 2022. Nice. I like that. How about AM? Uh I'm hopeful. I'd love to play that game. We'll see what happens. If I would have told you five years ago you'd be the head coach of Texas, what would you have said?
7: Probably wow. Uh you know, I I didn't know I didn't know where my career was necessarily going five years ago, right? I just got let go from USC. Um, there were some dark days you know you get everybody says you get let go and you get that you get the paycheck and you, everything's great as a coach you know it still stings right it's still it's still a, a big old piece of humble pie and i just had to start to recreate myself as a coach as a person um, and i didn't know if i'd be a head coach again five years ago um, but as the years went on as i started to work in atlanta as i got to alabama some more opportunities came that i that i said no to um, I'd, I'd had a feeling I'd be a head coach again. Um, I just wanted to be the right one. I didn't know what the right one would be. Uh, clearly, when Texas called and you looked at the roster and the resources and, and the athletic director Chris Delcani, and everybody involved, this was the right one, and I jumped at it.
5: But also, you have to look at yourself, and and you know you want to continue your professional career. And I had a moment where I went through this, you know, uh, almost two years ago, where you start to go, I got to get better. I got to get healthier, and then people say we well, can't leave your job. Or so I don't know if you went through that, where you're going. I got to kind of figure out who the hell I am after USC, but I still want to be in the game. So how do you balance that?
7: Uh, I just, you know, what I went to Dan was how do I just be the best version of Steve Sarkeesian today in in whatever I was in whatever I was doing. I tried to surround myself with with great people, really supportive people. Um, And if it was about being a a dad, a husband, a coach, a friend, um, whatever that was, what what, what did the best Steve Sarkeesian look like every day? And I wasn't worried about what was going to happen down the road or where it would lead me. It was just focusing on today. And it was really helpful for me. And I, and I think what came out of it was I became a lot more thoughtful person. I became a lot more compassionate. I became a lot more aware of the other people around me and what was going on in their lives. And um, where before, man, I had blinders on, right? I mean, I was like just plowing through whatever's in front of me because I wanted to be the, the best coach I could be. Um, I'm a lot more balanced, I think, in my, in my approach to life. And in the end, as I've ended up becoming a better football coach. I'm a lot more aware of our players. Um, so th- the end of it all is whatever happened in my past there five, six years ago happened for a reason, but I truly believe I'm glad that that happened because I wouldn't be here today if those things didn't happen.
5: Yeah. And a lot of people will hold a grudge or they're still angry about something that happened and then they'll blame others instead of taking inventory with themselves. So I I, I applaud you for doing that of just working on being a better person you obviously know football and then to get that opportunity there um, you know, it says a lot because you were willing to go in and say, you know, what do I need to do? And you got this head coaching job at Texas. So uh, congrats on that. If I said you could give Urban Meyer some advice on the NFL, what would you say?
7: I don't, I don't know if if I'm, I'm qualified to give Urban Meyer advice. the NFL. If
5: if he just asked, If he just said you know wait what was what was the biggest difference between college and pro? when you were with the Falcons, what did you notice here?
7: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, there is no every 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 Sunday you show up in the NFL, there is a lot of parody. i mean you're not showing up and and hey, you're a twenty eight point favorite this week, you know, every week. <laughs> Every week, that's a, that's a touchdown or less game. Every week, it comes down to the final two possessions. Um, those special situations in that league, the two-minute drill, the four-minute, those critical third downs late in the game. We've all watched NFL football. It seems like they always come down to that last drive or the last couple drives, and there's no gimmies. And, and you, you know, we got to have our guys ready to play week in and week out. I mean, that, that without a doubt, is probably the biggest difference.
5: You don't have any uh, Texas orange on. What's, uh, what's going on here? you got blue
7: there's a little bit of orange in my button mm. I know you can't see it mm. but
5: man you gotta up the uh gotta up the wardrobe here <laughs> head to toe I mean come on what are, what are you doing here sweatsuit track suit something coach
7: well you know I just spent two years in Alabama where it was a sport coat and it wasn't a sweatsuit from the from the from the guy that I work for oh. so uh, you know, you kind of I guess you get trained
5: hey well good luck with this sark hopefully we'll stay in touch there and uh you know what you got a lot of resources there and uh, they've certainly waited a long time for Texas to come back to the prominence that, you know, we sort of grew up with. So um, good luck with that. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it, buddy. That's uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the uh, new head coach at Texas and former offensive coordinator. You know, he was at USC. He was at uh, Washington. uh, And he went into the NFL, was there with Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, that has to be a whole lot of fun where you go, I got to play. And it's going to go to Devontae Smith. I mean, I'd like to say Sark is a really brilliant offensive-minded guy. I think I could call a play for Devontae Smith. I do. Like a jet sweep or something. You know, something not crazy. But uh, I think I could probably do that. My favorite is when you know it's going to be a touchdown. Like Lane Kiffin, when Lane Kiffin calls a play and he sees the ball in the air and he like throws his clipboard, his headset, and he runs down the sidelines. That must be a great feeling. Must be. Uh, yeah, Pauline.
3: I, I don't know if you guys have ever been down there to Texas, but when I used to work at ESPN, one of the road trips we did for College Game Day was Texas. And, I did, and you know, you see those movies about big-time football programs. You see the facilities and the trophy rooms and all the stuff. I walked to Texas like, oh, this is like a movie. This is a big-time football program. I know a lot of people, Oregon has it now, Bama, all these schools have it. But I can remember walking in, they had a lounge, an Earl Campbell Heisman lounge, and there's 30-foot windows, and there's Earl's Heisman, and there's another Heisman, and there's steer you know, stuff coming up. Everything's leather, gorgeous windows. There's a bar, and the bar was like, 70 feet long for the big boosters to watch the games. Mm. It felt like a a program from a movie.
5: Uh, Coming up, we'll talk to Michelle Tafoya. She's working the sidelines for NBC Sunday Night Football. It's Breeze and it's Brady. I mentioned in the first hour that if you combine their passing yards from the regular season and the postseason, Tom Brady and Drew Breeze have thrown for just over 100 miles. (laughs) Okay, how, Fritzy? can you do this or McLevin? What's 100 miles from Tampa? And what's 100 miles from New Orleans? I'd, I'd be curious. New Orleans to Tampa. How far is New Orleans to Tampa? Yeah, Paulie. Tampa to Orlando is about 100 miles. Okay, so, so you're throwing, just imagine Brady out there throwing passes from Tampa to Orlando, 100 miles. What's 100 miles from New Orleans for Drew Brees? I'm just trying to give people an idea in their minds of, you know, maybe you don't need it to go 100 miles. Yes, Paul.
3: I'm going to go like Pensacola, Florida.
5: Yeah, that's not that doesn't that doesn't, doesn't help. Resonate. No, that doesn't help. Yeah. Back to you. Yeah. What about the other direction?
3: Well, Baton Rouge is about 45 miles. So yeah, that, Baton Rouge and back. So
5: you go to Baton Rouge and back. And back. <laughs> that's all. Yes, Eden. It's driving wise, it's about a hundred miles from Hartford, Connecticut, to Gillette Stadium. Okay, so Hartford
6: to uh, the Patriots' home stadium. Mm. Yes, McLovin. Be nice if they had added one more pass interference to those yards for Drew, <laughs> Drew Brees. Just a little bit more. Dang. I'm just thinking, and uh, you know, it's funny. Tom Brady is defined <laughs> by a few throws too. Isn't it funny that you could
5: throw for all those yards, and you remember like eight throws? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. There, there's one play. There's one moment when you think of all of this. Like, if you, you talk about Peyton Manning, and you can talk about great seasons that he's had, all of these things. And you probably remember the Super Bowl where he, the pick six with the Saints, right? Did Reggie Wayne go the wrong way and, and Peyton threw the pick six? Yeah, But, but it'd what? be
6: good, too, because like with Ben Roethlisberger, when I say Ben Roethlisberger, what's the one
5: throw you think oh, of there? Oh, man. Yeah, that throw to beat Arizona was spectacular. Really. And and I think it's underrated. Because you, you don't think of Ben as this, like he's a thing at, at quarterback. Like you just, you don't think of him and all of his throws and what he does, you know, yardage or touch. It's just Ben's sort of this, King Kong back there where he's, you know, fending off defenders and he somehow extends a play. But that throw, I don't know how many quarterbacks in the history of the game that could throw that, put that ball where he did throw that. It was incredible. And ended up winning the Super Bowl because of that. Yeah, McLevin. That's a fun exercise. The one throw
6: for every quarterback. Would Russell Wilson, I hate to say it, would it be that, the bad one? Yes. Which is totally unfair because he's had an um, unbelievable career.
5: Yeah. Well, if you think about it, Brady's one throw that comes to mind.
6: And for some reason, I'm thinking of the one where he missed Wes Welker in the Super Bowl and threw it over his head. Or Welker well, dropped I think it. that was Wel- Welker's. Oh, yeah, that could have easily been on Welker.
5: Um, trying to think.
6: Edelman's catch in the Super no, Bowl? Because no, because that
5: was based off Edelman. That had nothing to do with Tom. I mean, it did. He threw it. But Edelman is the one that made those great catches. Does Brady have a signature throw in his career?
6: How, uh, Joe Montana, does he have what? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. John right?
5: Taylor. I mean, that won a Super Bowl. Um, does Elway have a signature throw? He has a helicopter spin. <laughs> yeah, he does. That was the signature run. Uh, probably the signature throw is the drive to beat Cleveland. I'm guessing. Um, uh, yeah, that is interesting. Aaron Rodgers, signature throw.
3: He's had a bunch of regular season ones where he's like one at the last second.
5: Is it that uh, the Hail Mary? Hail then? Mary,
6: yeah. Yeah, maybe. Steve Young to TO in the first round of the playoffs, is that.
5: That was big. That was big, but Steve threw six touchdown passes against the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Although, I can't really remember any of them. If you're too good, you don't get the signature (laughs) throw. Yeah, it's one of those where you go, I don't remember, he threw six, but I don't know if I remember any of them. I remember sitting in the end zone, in the Superdome, Broncos, Niners, and watching Montana throw it to Jerry Rice. And you could see the play unfold. And it was... It was just magical because you, you're watching and you go, oh, my, like, I'm watching it from behind the defense. And I go, he's going to throw to Jerry. That's a, t- a touchdown! It was it, it. You know, they you just sort of see a play develop and you go, that's exactly how they drew this up. Yeah, Paul.
3: I'm, I'm watching back the clip of Brady's first Super Bowl Patriots Rams 2017. And John Madden, I think, is calling the game. He says, you know, they should just you know, be careful with the ball and not try to do too play much. Play for overtime. Play for overtime. And Brady has a, I think it was a third down. Something like,
5: like Troy Brown. That's right.
3: Troy Brown, 23 yards to get the ball down to the 36-yard line. Moments after John Madden said they should be careful with a young Tom Brady oh, and play for overtime. Yeah. All
5: right, let me take a break. We'll get to your phone calls coming up. You guys have been very patient here. Uh, we've also talked to uh, Michelle Tofoya. She was great last time we had her on NBC Sunday Night Football analyst. Uh, She'll join us coming up. It's 22 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Rock Auto started in 1999, founded by automotive engineers. Really, it was founded by a family. They'd been in the car business, and they sort of knew what this was all about. The parts, how to get the parts. You don't want to be phoning, driving, waiting in lines. You want to be able to get these prices. You want reliably low prices, and you want to make sure that If you're looking for a part, you're able to get it, and you're not told that it's dealer-only or no longer available. The part's delivered right to your home or office. And to talk to these guys prior to Christmas and understand what their game plan was and is. And that's what it, you know, they just wanted it to be simple. It's a one-stop shop where you can get what you need, whether it's an old car or new car. RockAuto.com has correct parts for both old and new. You can't just pour 10W30 oil into just about every engine, just like you could 30 years ago. rockauto.com has specific oil, transmission fluid, antifreeze, and other chemicals your car must have. Make sure you write in the um, how did you hear about us box on their website, just so they know that uh, we sent you there. All the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. You don't have to go, you don't have to wait in lines, you don't have to phone, you know driving around and uh, you'll be able to find what you need at rockauto.com thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday morning 9 to noon eastern or 6 to 9 pacific on fox sports radio find your local station for the Dan Patrick show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iheart radio app by searching fsr
0: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump,
9: and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
5: I promise I'll get to those phone calls. Coming up, it is a uh, meat Friday, by the way. In case you're wondering what's on the grill, mini meatball minestrone and the Dan Patrick Show, pull-apart pesto bread that we're famous for. Michelle Tafoya, I believe, worked her 300th game on an NFL sideline this past November, and uh, she'll have that opportunity to be there in Buffalo with the Ravens and the Bills coming up this Saturday night. Also, second episode of season two of NBC Sports, Sports Uncovered, the podcast series hosted by Michelle, debuts today featuring Gail Siren's, who in December of 1987 became the first woman to call an NFL game handling play-by-play duties. That was the Seahawks and Chiefs, that uh, NBC podcast episode's available for download. We bring in Michelle Tafoya. Give me a weather update, weather forecast here, Michelle.
8: It is definitely uh, soup weather, so minestrone or minestrone. (laughs) How how do you decide if you're going to go minestrone or minestrone? I I thought it was minestrone. Am I just stupid? don't answer you know like obviously
5: well no you went to berkeley didn't you you went to cal so i <laughs> yes, went, I, went, I went to dayton so i i go minestrone <laughs> but i don't know minestrone sounds like what i would say growing up in the midwest where minestrone sounds like maybe somebody who's a little bit more educated palate
8: well you know what uh, let's let's find out let's let somebody oh. be an expert on this and tell us cuz i've always heard minestrone but, uh, you know, what, what do I know? I know that whatever, the sky right now in Buffalo outside my hotel room looks a little soupy. It's going to be cold, and it's going to be windy. The, um, the snow might not start until the second half. That's what it's showing right now. But either way, uh, that could make this really interesting.
5: What's it like, though, when it does snow? You're covering the game, and normally you'd be on the sidelines, but what is that like when those conditions uh, present themselves?
8: It's just cold and stupid, and and you're just going what you know. It's it's worse. Rain is worse because you have to juggle an umbrella in your hand, your notepad, your microphone. You feel like you can't hold on to anything tightly, and you're just fumbling those items the whole entire game. So snow is a little easier. The wind is not fun, but yeah, we're in that moat they call it, that first row of the stands, and uh, you just I don't know, you just deal with it. the Lots of warmers. uh,
5: Worst weather you ever uh, were reporting in?
8: Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would say no matter what, it was rain. I did a game at, I want to say it was Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and I'm sorry that I'm confusing the two. This was so long ago. I know I was in Mississippi, and we had like seven overtime or something because of the rain. So, uh, you know, it just just, no one could win the game. That was a bad one. But, uh, you know, it is what it is.
5: Do you have a signature play that you remember that you covered a game and you were that you'll be able to tell your kids' kids that you were there seeing that firsthand?
8: You know, there are quite a few, but the one that jumps to mind is the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl against Seattle. And I happened to be standing behind Bill Belichick when it happened. And I'll just never forget the shock of it, the shock that they threw the ball, the shock that he picked it. At the time, no one knew who Malcolm Butler was. And then seeing... Because I was, you know, my my vision included Belichick and his arms go way up in the air in this, like, victory sign. It was, I mean, that visual for me is, uh, will never leave me.
5: I was right by the goalpost. and, and so, you? Yeah, because I was presenting the trophy. And I'm thinking Seattle's going to win the Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch is going to run right, right in front of me. And as Russ went back to pass, I went, oh, no. And I'm standing next to Ron Vaquero who is you know great producer on Football Night in America. I go, oh, no. And then he threw the ball, and I go, oh, my God. Okay, at least they knocked it down. And then Malcolm Butler pops up, and I yeah. go, so I have to start taking inventory of who I'm going to interview on the podium. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. is Paul Allen going to be down here? I got Pete Carroll. Who's the MVP? Yeah. Next thing yeah. I know is Malcolm Butler just made the greatest play in Super Bowl history. Yeah, Is he going to be yeah. the MVP? And then... Like, it was just, it was one of those weird moments there. And then the other one was Roethlisberger when he threw the touchdown pass to win the Super Bowl to beat Arizona. I'm right there in the corner because I have to go out on the podium again. I think right. Arizona's going to win it. Like, you know, is Mr. Bidwell going to be on the podium? Uh, yeah. Like, you, who's the MVP? Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy in those moments. Then you have to still do your job.
8: Yeah, well, that's the funny part is, yeah, you're prepping for a post-game interview, or in your case, the, the trophy presentation, and suddenly your whole mind has to shift. And I, I went through the same thing. My job after Malcolm Butler made that interception was to not lose sight of the kid. So I'm like literally stalking <laughs> the sideline. Every move he made, I made, you know, behind the bench. And then, of course, when I, I finally grabbed him right after the game, And they're taking their time getting it down to me and finally when al throws to me you know he's now let's go to michelle in that instant malcolm butler decides i've waited long enough i'm (laughs) taking off he takes off i have to chase him down and it's i've never looked back at it i'm told it's kind of humorous but we did i chased him down i got him on camera uh but yeah i you know that that was kind of remarkable
5: But you've chased people down. You don't know you're on camera. Like, we can sometimes see the wide shot of the field when the game is over. And then all of a sudden, we we can see you. Like, it it probably gets physical where you got to box out people, don't you?
8: Oh, there's no question. This job is way more physical. Not so much this year because we don't have that space to cover. But it's way more physical than people realize. The running around that you do, halftime chasing coaches, the whole bit.
5: I also marvel, though, when you have to talk to a coach who's lost and it's a big game and and, and trying to find just the sensitivity level, you know, it's a completely different tone totally like how do you you know you you, got, you almost have to gear up for it because you almost have to feel their pain put yourself in there and i, I don't know what is your process you're there?
8: spot on you're spot on with that good for you dan you want to come up to buffalo and work this game because you've got it all figured <laughs> no, out no oh,
5: i know. i'm gonna watch i'm gonna i you know if the game was in tampa then i might go but no not oh yeah yeah not in buffalo
8: well, you know you do. You gear up because it is a painful moment. You don't you don't really know how the coach is going to respond in that moment and different coaches are different, right? So you 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 kind of go through your mind about what do I know about this coach? What do I expect the the reaction to be to my questions? How it's it's body language, it's tone of voice, it's the words you choose. There's a lot that goes into it, but you're right. It is a completely different interview and far less fun.
5: What is uh, the difference or do you notice a difference in Lamar Jackson and or Josh Allen at this point this year as opposed to last year?
8: Well, I think I think just on the football field, Lamar is just a better passer than he has been, and also he's, he's a better decision maker than he has been. And I would say some of the same things for for Josh that you know the, the accuracy was the question. He seems to have gotten that uh, on track, and and just his ability to make the right decisions. But he's. He's got another piece to the puzzle, which is Stefan Diggs, that makes decision-making a whole lot easier for him. So, you know, it's been interesting, this draft class of these guys. In their third seasons, a lot of these guys seem to be turning the corner, and we're looking at, uh, you know, the, the next generation of these quarterbacks are going to be going up against each other in playoff games and Super Bowls and regular season rivalries, and it's, it's really been kind of fun.
5: Is it important or how important is it for you to be involved in the game plan for both of these? Like when Al and Chris are there with coaches and is it important for you to be listening to what these teams are trying to do, hoping to do, expected to do?
8: No question, because when you go to halftime and you want to talk to these coaches, you need to know what they were trying to achieve uh, in that first half, you know, at any point in the game, what their mindset was, what they were trying to do, who they were trying to get involved, who they were trying to stop, you know, what they were trying to do. So, Because you want those questions at halftime to give you something. Now, it's hard to get something you know, really meaty because these coaches at halftime, they're like, just ask me the question and let me go. You know, and I get it. It's not the place they want to be, but if you, I find that if you ask more detailed questions, you're going to get a better answer. And so, um, yeah, that's absolutely important. I, I watch Chris's tapes. He prepares tapes on every, uh, you know, every offense and every defense each week, both offenses, both defenses. and And I watch those because they give you a great sort of education as to, Uh, what these teams are good at, what they're not as good at, and what you should be looking for. And contractually,
5: do the coaches have to stop for two questions?
8: You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what the contractual thing is. And – with Andy Reid, we have a different arrangement. He, he only likes to do those interviews walking off the field at halftime if he's ahead or tied. And, and we accept that. <laughs> we, well, they, we,
5: they all would like that, Michelle.
8: <laughs> but he's the one that's made that clear, and we've always honored it. And, uh, you know, so uh, maybe I shouldn't have said it because now this is going to get, like, distributed to all the coaches in the NFL, and they're going to say, yeah, only if I'm losing their um, uh, You know.
5: How about <laughs> this, I, I, Michelle? You have to have a Super Bowl win to be able to ask for this. How's that? <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh, yeah, let's start putting all kinds of restrictions on this thing. That's great. No, I think there probably is something contractual because they do it for every network. They, they you know, they, And they do it for their – usually they do it for their home radio people too. So um, it, it's – there are moments. You're not going to hit a home run every every halftime, but there are moments when you get one and uh, you go, oh, gosh, this is great. Uh, you know, I, I always refer back to, to Bill Parcells telling me he was going to – start tony romo in the second half and and that was a big big news story so uh, i was grateful for that one have
5: fun and uh you know i i'm rooting for snow i don't know if you are but (laughs) i
8: (laughs) you know fred Godelli is oh you know yes you know he is because there's this sense that if people see snow they will stop with their put their remote down and watch so yeah but michelle fred
5: fred Godelli uh, you know, is one of the great producers uh, in, in 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 this business. He's in a truck.
8: Yes, so, I know that.
5: So he's not. You know, I mean, he's rooting for snow, but he he's he doesn't care about those in the elements. He just wants it. it these are pretty pictures.
8: You know what I hear in my ear every time? It's always 70 and perfect inside the truck, and you know how
5: the
8: things I want to say?
5: (laughs) It's not pretty. Uh, Thank you, Michelle. Have fun. We'll be watching. We appreciate it, as always. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later. That's Michelle Tafoya, NBC Sunday night football sideline reporter, but she'll be there on Saturday night. Oh, did we get the pronunciation on Minestrone, Paul? Okay, do you want to do this now,
3: or we have it ready, or we can do it No, after? you can do it now. All right. is The Whoa. soup, is it, is it minestrone? Minest-
5: I, I say minestrone.
3: Okay, is it, there's two options, minestrone or minestrone. Yeah. Now, an Italian person I know just texted me said, you're both wrong. It's like minestrone, like A, but uh, a, like A. Because you have to add in the a minestrone. See, uh. yeah, but I think Seton might be right. I found a website where this uh, pretty famous <laughs> Italian chef Helps you pronounce foods and stuff in Italian. Mm. But who wants to go minestrone? Minestrone or minestrone?
5: Well, I'll go minestrone. I mean, it's that sounds <laughs> a little more French. That's oh. a little more like minestrone. Hey, <laughs> that a, hey. hey. a little more <laughs> minestrone. Minestrone. Hey,
1: I'm going to say minestrone.
5: But it's like mozzarella. Like it. It's not mozzarella. 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 All right. Are you ready for the unveiling? Yeah. Here but, it is. All right, here we go.
3: Buongiorno, we are looking at how to pronounce with a typical
7: Italian pronunciation the name of this thick soup of Italian origin, traditional in Italian cuisine, made with vegetables and often the addition of pasta or rice, sometimes both. Common ingredients include beans, onion, celery, carrot, stock and tomatoes. We are looking at how to pronounce Minestrone, minestrone, <laughs> but it'd be fine in English to say minestrone. minestrone. But he also
5: gave us tomato, and you, it's not tomato. Can you really trust somebody who says tomato? Yeah. I don't think you can. Minestrone. How's that? I want to get this guy in here cooking for minestrone. minestrone. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Minestrone. Yeah, I when I'm around my wife's family and they go a little heavy on the accent sometimes and I'll go, easy there. Slow down. Chef, huh? Slo- Chef day. <laughs> yeah, that's what I grew up with. <laughs> Chef boyarde. <laughs> 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 oh. yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Yeah. Snooty people. Yeah. A beef at the road. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Beef is scary. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, my Midwest roots. All right. We'll take a break. Phone calls are next here on The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app
0: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.
9: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
5: Pilardi drops it back, and it's picked off. A breakaway for Kaprizov. He's in. He's shooting he scores. Kaprizov in his wild debut wins it in overtime. <laughs> that is your uh, Discover Moment of the Week: game-winning goal in overtime. The uh, Kings, their season debut. The Wild will play the Kings again on Saturday night. That's courtesy of Minnesota Wild Radio Network there. The uh, Discover card uh, matches all the cash back you've earned. I was out there feeding Penny. I was giving her some dog biscuits, so I'm a a little out of sorts here. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 nielsen report limitations apply sam in arizona sam thanks for holding what is on your mind today
8: hey man uh first time long time five eight and a half 240 pounds right. hey i was just uh going just wanted to mention that i wanted to see josh allen win one the only reason is because you can have jim Kelly hold up a Super Bowl trophy for finally, after losing those four Super Bowls, you know?
5: All right. That's a bonus. Thank you, Sam. By the way, this just in. It looks like the Atlanta Falcons have found their head coach. He is the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, Arthur Smith. Yes. They got Arthur Smith? They got Arthur Smith. Yes. Big Artie. Yeah. Let's roll. Yes. Not Artie. Not Art. Arthur. Has Vegas reacted yet? Vegas has not. Oh. Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator with uh, the Tennessee Titans, he is uh, reportedly uh, – is this, Shefty, I, I, we, we do tend to give Diana credit Diana Rossini. On the, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, she's plugged into the Titans. Um, yeah, if we, we, we tend to give credit on here. We're different than all the other shows. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I, I find that embarrassing when people in my business don't give credit to those who do the hard work. Uh, Diana Rossini from The Mothership. Reporting that Arthur Smith is going to be the Falcons' new head coach. Yes, Paulie.
3: Arthur Smith sounds like the guy who hires the head coach.
5: <laughs> he does, or maybe he owns the team. Right. Arthur Smith, Arthur Blank.
3: Well, Arthur Smith, the, the coach. I guess he was like an offensive tackle at North Carolina, and he got injured, and he became you know like an assistant coach for years. His father, Frederick Smith, uh, was the inventor uh, founder of FedEx Federal Express. So Arthur Smith, the coach, who just got the is about to get the job. His dad is worth five and a half billion dollars, hmm. but he's got nine brothers and sisters to share. Yeah, with. wow. The f- the guy
5: who started FedEx. Yes, Todd. So this coach will mail it in then. Based okay, on his, uh, okay, all right,
3: okay. At-
5: Ten, five, and one. Too optimistic. <laughs> <but> we-
3: <laughs> Arthur Smith.
5: Uh, Arnie. Uh, Jeff in Detroit. Hi, Jeff.
8: Hey, what up, though? Happy Meet Friday to you and the fellas.
9: Uh, you were talking at the top of the show about all stars talent versus chemistry with the 76ers in Portland. Probably the best example of that that I could remember is the 06 Pistons versus Shaq Kobe. I mean, you had four all four, um, stars on that team with Shaq Kobe, The Glove, and Carl uh, Malone, and we didn't really have any, uh, anybody like that. My question to you, though, is this, Dan, you and the fellas. Bills, Ravens, Browns, KC, Saints, Bucks, Rams, Green Bay. You can only watch one. Which one you watch?
5: All right, thank you, Jeff. Um, I can only watch one. Saints Bucks is obvious. Um, we'd have to take that off the board, I think. Um I am curious about the Browns against the Chiefs. I I I don't know. I just I'm I'm kind of fascinated with the Browns. And can they stay with the game plan here and not get into this, let's go toe-to-toe with them? And, and maybe they feel differently. Maybe they want to go toe-to-toe here. Ravens-Bills, if you gave me snow, if I knew Sam Darnold and Cooper Cup, or Sam Darnold, Aaron Donald, big difference, uh, We're healthy, then that might be a little more interesting with the Packers. Yes, Eaton? Ravens-Bills is a game I kind of don't want anybody to lose. I mm. kind of like to see them both. Mm. Like, they're both... For me, anyway, Lamar Jackson, how yeah. do you root against him? And then the Bills, they've been awesome this year. Of course, you'd love to see them advance. Yeah. I think if I i knew the Rams were, you know, fully assembled here against the Packers. What's the weather going to be like at Lambeau, by the way, McLovin?
6: Oh, I'm not sure. I'll look it out. But one thing I was reminded that Lafleur and McVeigh are like best friends in the world. And they are—they know each other like the back of their hand. So maybe McVeigh takes advantage of that and beats up his former offensive coordinator. Any chance that's an upset? Are you looking at Because last week you had a feeling the Rams were going to be there.
5: Yeah, and, and I thought the Browns yeah. were going to be there.
6: Ed, do you have that feeling at all with this week with the Rams and Packers? No,
5: I think it's, it's hard to go back-to-back. Back. You know, you're going to be on the road here. And I don't know the health of Jared Goff. Uh, but even if you know what Green Bay is going to do, and Sean McVay knows Matt LaFleur – You still got to stop Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Paul.
3: The uh, prediction for the weather in Green Bay. Cold? No. Well, for people from Wisconsin, this is not cold. 34 degrees and uh, 50% chance of precipitation. Ooh. Chance of snow. Okay,
5: 34 at game time, getting colder. Do we have snow? I got
3: 34 at kickoff with snow possibility.
5: Because that's a night game, isn't it? I
3: thought it's early. One. I think it's like oh, three o'clock. Oh, that's early.
5: Okay, three or four o'clock. Ooh, four thirty. So it'll be dark. So second half precipitation. Maybe but that's short sleeve weather in Green Bay. Yes, it
6: is. Yeah, but Green Bay's lost those cold games in the past. It doesn't always work out that way. I know. I'm just talking about me, the viewing experience. McLeod. Yeah, I'm talking about the Rams. I wouldn't count the Rams out because of the thirty-four.
5: Thank you, McLovin. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Wilbon's going to join us, and also Tony Baselli. On Urban Meyer going to the Jags. Close out the second hour with a question. Ever wonder just how far an extra mile really goes? Drive a Mercedes Benz and then you'll find out. They also have these great Mercedes-Benz vans. There's the uh, Sprinter van and the versatile Mercedes-Benz Metris, each tailored to match your work or play lifestyle. Options like blind spot assist, active lane keeping assist, plus MBUX voice command technology for directions and weather forecast, comfort control. It's great. Now that uh, you can go the extra mile, and you can do so with your very own upfitted, tricked-out Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, you could win by entering Fox Sports Radio's ultimate tailgate rig sweepstakes. It's easy. You don't have to purchase anything. You can get the details there, the information at foxsportsradio.com or danpatrick.com. A chance to win a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van equipped with TVs, even a wood pellet grill that we put in there. Sweepstakes end January 24, 2021. Some equipment described is optional.
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.